Welcome to Strategic Real Estate Investor Radio, presented by Strategic Real Estate Coach. Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerful team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience, over 600 transactions, and generated over $5.5 million for himself and his partners. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business with Strategic Real Estate Investor Radio. So hey there guys and welcome back to another edition of Strategic Real Estate Investor Radio. I want to introduce to all of you my good friend um, Kyle Gariffo. Kyle's on the line with us today and uh, to give you some, some quick background about Kyle, Kyle was uh, just like me and just like all of you, uh, a, a, an attendee of various real estate workshops and training events and coaching programs. Um, today Kyle has uh, proven himself again and again and again to me and my faculty and my staff. And so uh, just about four months ago, uh, for lots and lots of different reasons, uh, we've named Kyle not only one of our faculty members at Strategic Real Estate Coach, but also our head coach. Um, Kyle's worked his way from being a brand new real estate investor to flipping over 250 houses, uh, raising well over 10 or $15 million dollars. Um, doing tons of transactions, building his business, um, and uh, making tons of money for himself and his investors um, to the point where Kyle and I have a, a, just a, a really fun friendship. Uh, we, we're both married. We both have kids that are about the same age. Um, and I respect Kyle's uh, you know, performance and his work a lot. And uh, we've, we've named Kyle our head coach at Strategic Real Estate Coach. And um, you know he delivers a lot of coaching programs to our students, and also flies you know a couple times a year to various markets, goes out and meets with students, and does what we call boots on the ground, where he actually flies out to their market and helps them get their business set up. And so I want to welcome Kyle to the podcast. Kyle's going to be a regular contributor to the Strategic Real Estate Investor Radio. Uh, podcast moving forward. So, Kyle, welcome to the program. We're glad to have you on board, my friend. Thanks, Josh, for that uh, that introduction as well. Awesome, man. So, Kyle, give everybody you know your your background, your story. They're going to be hearing a lot about you moving forward. You know, uh, as they hear from you at live events and on webinars, as well as on this uh, this this podcast moving forward. Tell everybody a little bit about what you're up to today, and then give us the backstory of how you've developed as a real estate investor over the last couple of years. Yeah, no, no problem. My my story is, uh, you know, I mean, it's very similar to what everybody else's story is. I, you know, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth, anything like that. I was not born into a lot of money, anything like that. I was born with a good hard work ethic. You know, my parents, you you met my uh, dad and my mom now, Josh as well too. So uh, that that was pretty exciting for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. It's not like I knew you from Cleveland back in junior high, and you decided to name me as head coach. I mean, I truly worked my way up through through your program, through your system, and now uh, being part of your faculty and being named head coach is is really a, a big honor. I, I'm, I'm proud of myself for getting this getting this far and getting to this point in life. And uh, I love doing. It. I love talking to students. I love helping people out. 
Um, it's it's what I've done for for many years of my life anyway. So this comes all natural to me. But uh, it's great that you um, thank yourself and all your own hard work. You sound like uh, Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Remember when Carmelo Anthony got the rookie yeah. of the year award in the NBA, and he's like. I'd like to thank myself for all the hard work I put in. <laughs> now I did say I was proud of myself. I didn't say I oh, thank you. Like, oh, I wasn't saying that tongue in cheek, but you sh should be proud of yourself, and you should thank yourself because it yeah. is a lot of hard work. That's, no, that's I appreciate that. So, but yeah, my you know my current business now it's 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 I'm busy. There's no doubt about it. Like you said, taking on the head coaching responsibilities. I'm coaching students now every single day on the phone. Certainly doing that as well. Um, I'm working on currently five rehabs of my own. Uh, I'm working on an assist living facility, as you and I just got back from from Florida talking about about a week ago or so. So busy doing that. Uh, boots on the ground training is going. I've got another one going on Monday. I'm going to Alabama to see one of our students down there. I've got another one in January where I'm going to Texas. So um, my my days are certainly spent uh, doing things related to real estate. But as you know, I am. First and foremost, the father, you know, to, to my three kids. So for me, it's it's you know, I got my I got to pick up my son at school three o'clock every day and coach baseball and 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 coach soccer and do all that. And I and I love spending time with the family, as I know you do as well too. So, but uh, life is certainly busy. Life is certainly busy, which is a good thing. You know, it it, it certainly beats the alternative. I'd say that. So. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give us the backdrop. How, how did you? Again, yeah. I've heard, I've heard your backdrop and your backstory a ton of times. Sure. But for all the people who are going to be listening to this interview and and all of our future podcasts, of which you're going to host um, some of them on your own or with me, um, and they're going to hear from you quite a bit. Um, give give us a little flavor of of your transition from the healthcare world into real estate because you've yeah. made the you've made the ultimate transition that I think everybody else is trying to make. They right. got a full-time job, you quit your job, moved into real estate, done tons and tons of deals now, made tons and tons of money, raised tons of money, you have positive cash flow coming in every month, passive cash flow, you have a beautiful big home, you're married, you have three kids, you're providing for them through real estate, um, and you, you you know worked your way up to be you know a significant influencer within our organization and a significant leader and again, none of this was handed to you. So you've made that transition, I think, that a lot of other people would love to make. So tell us about that and how that kind of evolved. Yeah, no, I get that question all the time is, is how do I get to do what you do or how do I flip real estate? I mean, people ask that all the time. People love our industry. People love what we do. You know, there's no... There's no HGTV shows on how to be an accountant. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. That's not exciting. Nobody cares about that. And if there's any accountants out there, I'm not. I'm not dogging it by any means. But people love real estate. And Roberto, you just pissed Roberto off. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I can handle him. He's not that big. Yeah. But, uh, now he is. That's that's the thing. But yeah, I started. Um, I was a clinical therapist for 10 years. I started after I graduated college in '98. I I went and got my master's degree, and then I went and got uh, licensed as a clinical therapist here in Illinois, um, which was a lot of work, certainly a lot of tests and a lot of schooling and everything else, and worked as a therapist for 10 years. I was doing uh, individual uh, family and group therapy from about 2002 to 2007, and um, the I, I love doing it. I, I still love the concept of therapy. I still believe in it for, for people as well, too. Um, and one day I, I may even go back kind of on my own terms and certainly pick up some clients kind of like I do coaching for uh, for Shrek. But um, I, I made the ultimate sacrifice and decision in 2007. I just had my uh, my son 
and so that was child number two, and I just wasn't spending the time with him that I wanted to spend. Um, when you think of therapy, most people come to therapy usually in the evening. You know, most people are not coming in, uh, you know, early morning things like that. People have to work, so I was working a lot of evening hours. My hours were typically like 12 to 9, so I'd get home at 9 o'clock at night. Just kind of strange hours. I didn't want to do that any longer, so I'm kind of a product of. Uh, HGTV, as I know a lot of people are, I've watched too many shows, I've watched every episode of Flip This, Flip That, you know, Flip You, I've watched them all. Um, literally, I think I've seen every episode of everything. But uh, those shows intrigued me, and I was like... Flip You, Kyle? Well, you didn't swear there, did you? No, 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 Flip You, that, that's an actual show. <laughs> it's a good one, it's, a, it's on HBO, though. Right, gotcha. Um, yeah. So... It just seemed so intriguing to me. I've always had an interest in architecture and building and construction and things like that. I thought I would go to school for architecture, um, but that did not happen. Um, so in 2007, I had a conversation with my wife, and we just ultimately decided that, that I would quit my job cold turkey. I quit on April 21st of 2007, which was a Thursday, because my coworkers always made fun of me that I quit on a Thursday. Like, who, who quits on a Thursday? Like, most people quit on a, on a Friday, right? I quit on a Thursday. And uh, I bought a house on Monday of that following week. Um, so I went from full-time salaried employee on Thursday to making basically zero money that following Monday. Uh, so that's truly the ultimate sacrifice, I think. I, I had the support from my wife, Kristen, certainly to do, and I still do to this day. Um, but uh, I just kind of jumped in with, with two feet on that Monday, bought an REO. I, I did get a bank loan on it. Um, you know, and I bought it right before kind of the, the, the bubble burst. I made every mistake I could possibly make on that house, namely that I did most of the work myself. So I've done plumbing, I laid hardwood floors, I put up cabinets, um, I don't do carpet, I don't do electrical, but I've done all that other stuff before. And what would have taken me probably a month to rehab took me about seven months to rehab on my first project because I was doing it all myself. Um, I ended up making, as I always joke around with you about this, I think I made $18.86 on that deal. <laughs> which is probably not literally too far off from, from what I did make. It took me seven months. It took me another, I think, three months to get it sold, and it was literally right before kind of that area had crashed and burned. Um, I was able to get out, but I, I did not make, I don't think, more than a couple thousand bucks. Um, went home to my wife after I cashed the check. I said, Yeah, it was worth all the laying the hardwood floors and, and buying all the materials and doing it all yourself then, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, that's the way not to do it, certainly. But uh, I learned the hard way. And when I did learn, because I went home to my wife and I said, hey, that was awesome. She said, hey, no, it wasn't. You need to go get a job. So she kind of gave me the ultimatum that I've got to find something to do, something that's going to pay the bills, bring in money. She was working full-time. She continues to work full-time because she likes to. But, you know, making under 1000 bucks after seven months of work, doesn't exactly pay the bills, but what I did learn was that I loved the business, I loved the industry, I loved learning about you know how to do this better. I knew all the mistakes that I made after I did them, and I, I said I should have hired that out, or I should have done this, or I should have done that. Um, so I just kind of learned from there, and started watching more and more webinars, or listening, I should say, to more and more webinars, because there were definitely a lot more now than there were, but every now and then when there was a webinar, I listened to everything, and my wife used to put a cap on the amount of calls I could listen to in a week, um, and that's no joke. I think it was three. I was not allowed to spend any more than 
three calls per week, and then you know they're what an hour and a half long each one. So well, it's um, interesting you say that though, but I mean. There's a lot of people that listen to a lot of webinars and oh, yeah. never do anything. Oh yeah, and and it's interesting that you say you're looking at your shelf. I am looking at my shelf right now, and I've got one, two, three, four full shelves of webinar material, things that I bought, courses that I bought. And you know, I can I can tell you about anything related to real estate. You want to know about self storage? I got a course on that. You want to know about marketing? I've got a course on that. I've got a course on everything. You know, so. Uh, you and I could certainly compare our offices in terms of the amount of material and product that, that, that we've bought. Just like you, I have well over $100,000 in product, coaching, mentoring, you name it. You know, so. How much of that have you given to me? About half? Um, that's probably about right, yeah. <laughs> not more. Not more. Not more. Yeah, so that, that's probably right. Are you struggling to find great real estate deals to flip, rehab, buy and hold, or wholesale? End the frustration today and get 55 simple and proven strategies that find smoking hot deals in your market absolutely free. Go to 55simpleways.com slash podcast right now. That's 55simpleways.com slash podcast. Back then, I don't know if a lot of people remember, short sales were the it thing to do. Obviously, you were doing a ton of short sales. Um, I was kind of following all the gurus who were doing short sales, and there was a lot of people doing short sales. And and I know, you know, a couple of your former students were kind of leading the way as well too about how to do short sales, certainly. But that's how I kind of got hooked up with you. Is is you were always out there. You're always putting on webinars and events and things like that and, and I just kind of uh, I think just because of our similar age and kind of our backgrounds and whatnot I was certainly drawn to to what you were teaching um, and just started doing a ton of short sales and that's when business was was phenomenal I mean you remember when we could buy a property literally an hour later go sell that property and make 30 grand in an hour you know I mean that was happening I know with you over and over and over again and that's you know what I was doing as well too that's what a lot of people were doing oh yeah um, until uh, our friend Mr. Bank of America came by and, and put the uh, kiboshes on that with uh, line item number 10 on their approval letters, of course. So anybody who's done short sales certainly knows what I'm talking about there. But um, so I saw you, what, in Dallas in 2010? I always forget. Was that 10? Yeah, 2010. That's right. I did a, a joint event with REI Club. A lot of our listeners might know of reiclub.com. Um, and I'm friends with the owner of that website, and uh, you know, he, he basically wanted to partner up and put out a, a live training event, which we did. Um, you were an attendee of that event, and yeah. um, and that was fun. But that was back 2010, and short sales were still working. Oh yeah. So oh, probably yeah. the end of 2011 is when they really dried up. Yep. Yeah, but that was a big event. I mean, I remember that event. I don't know how many hundreds of people you had there, but that was a big event. And I do remember, for some reason, I was there with my father, and uh, I was sitting in the back. I, I, I vividly remember that, that I was sitting in the back of the room for some reason. I don't know why. That's probably not the way to go when you go to events. But um, I was, and I don't know if I signed up for coaching right then and there, or uh, I probably joined somehow from the event in 2010, but I became a student um, as well, too. I also remember this, and I don't think I've ever even told you this. You were doing a uh, dovetail call, I believe it was, 
and you, so I was, I just had brought up maybe a, a course or two of yours, and you, you had mentioned my name on a dovetail call, and I was like, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> he actually remembered who I was. I thought that was very, I thought that was actually really cool. I don't think I've ever even told you that, but I just thought of that now that you had mentioned. I remember sitting up in, in my bedroom, uh, just, just sitting on my bed, I kind of had the TV on mute. I was watching a football game, actually, I remember that as well, too. What's what? that? Like it's like being on live TV. Like you're, yeah. if, you're at, if you're at the Bears game and they showed you on CBS. Exactly. I was like, holy crap! I was like, that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, gurus kind of became the mythical, quote unquote, you know, statue. Like you, you couldn't touch them. Like if, if I saw one at a live event, I was like, holy wow! There, that's that's really so and so. That's really so and so. You know, because a lot of guys were so big, and a lot of the guys are no longer around, which I find. Pretty funny now, you know, to, to this day that they're they were so big and now they've fallen so hard from from the graces. But that's the nature of the beast. But uh, so then I went to Cleveland uh, as well. That would have been what 2011. You had an event in Cleveland. You did the yep. three day tour. You know, see your rehabs, things like that. I think that was one of the very first you had done like that, correct? Yeah, yeah. And that was you know people don't know. I think you know now, but that was in October 2011. I was super sick. Yep. Um, I didn't tell anybody in the crowd, but I it was October 2011. Um, I had uh, sold you know tickets into that event in like you know July or August, and then September 12, 2011, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and I had that event, and then I had another mastermind event already planned for October, and so I was up there for three days teaching about short sales and lease options and marketing and some different stuff and took everybody out in the field and nobody knew that I was you know I, I was heading into a major surgery and a, a major uh, you know life event um, just 30 days after that so I think it was like mid-October that you guys came into Cleveland and then mid-November November 21st um, I had my surgery yeah. and then um, I, yeah, I'd like to tell this story too because you know I went in for my surgery, and you well you you came to that event and you signed up for a pretty pretty expensive pretty high end consulting package, which I had to be honest with you I had I I didn't know I I thought I was obviously hoping that my surgery would go well, and you had just opted in and paid for like a thirty five or a forty thousand dollar a year consulting program, and I went into surgery. And um, I was certainly hoping that I'd come out of surgery and be able to fulfill that. <laughs> I, I was hoping I'd still be around. Um, what was, was the plan? But that was not guaranteed. Would I have gotten a, 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 a refund on that had you not, or how, how would that have worked? I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, then you know I had my surgery on a Monday, and I was in ICU for four days, three or four days, and I came out of ICU. I remember on Thanksgiving Day. I got uh -huh. transferred from ICU down to a regular, what they call step-down floor, step-down room. That was on a Thursday. I got released from the hospital the following Wednesday and had my first consulting call with you on Friday. Jeez, yeah. Uh, and I had, you know, a, a stomach full of staples and brand-new surgery. I had lost, you know, basically 30 pounds in in less than two weeks and um, just, just, you know, it just really been on my feet for like a week. But I felt obviously an obligation to you know to you and and make sure we did that call and I felt up for it. I remember doing the call at my basement home office and like immediately going upstairs to bed. I was so tired. <laughs> yeah. 
from just getting out of bed and, and, and working with you and talking with you for like an hour was so much work. It was so, so much work. But, you know, I, I still, uh, you know, that worked out good. We worked together for like a year. Um, yeah. I recovered, obviously, and things started going really well again. And my business, real estate business got back on track and my health got back on track. And, and then we worked together for like a year. Um, and then that coaching program ran its course. And then, you know, you kind of became kind of, part of the fabric of the company started being like more of a coach and kind of being around some of those higher level things. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, certainly I, I, I uh, am thankful and appreciative that you obviously did come out of that surgery, obviously as, as healthy as you are now as well too. Um, yeah, that was certainly a blessing for you and your family and as well as for me, of course, too, because you've obviously had a, a huge influence on my real estate career up to this point as well. So uh, certainly I thank you for that. But yeah, that's pretty much how it how it went down there when when you got sick. I did. I had no idea. I think you told me in maybe April or May, something like that. It does explain why a couple phone calls you were either snoring or were talking complete nonsense. That that does explain a couple things there. So I think you owe me a few calls. So I think you owe me like eight calls. I think just extra calls. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I get right on that. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Please do. So. But yeah, so it ran its course, and you're right. I just kind of, uh, I didn't really go away. I kind of stuck around and 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 got to know a lot of your faculty and and staff, and um, just kept getting invited to more events. and And I think you guys were able to see some of the progress that I was making, obviously. And um, you know that that was pretty cool. I, I I always say, and this is this is one thing that I teach my students now, both the ones that I have locally as well as Shrek students, is that probably the, the biggest thing that you told me that I literally remember word for word um, of, of the year of coaching that we did is is when short sales were kind of going going by the wayside, you know, and I was kind of panicking and I was like, all right, now what am I going to do? I've got, I've got this ultimatum for my wife. i got to go get a job and I, I'll, I'll be damned if I'm going to do that, you know. So yeah. you said what you've got to do is you've got to create that evergreen business. And I was like, oh, all right. And, and, and what that truly means is that you've got to create a business that in good times and in bad and bad markets and in good markets and medium markets, no matter what market it is, you're creating a business that's going to succeed and thrive and make you money regardless of what it's doing and what's around you and what's happening. You know, the economy, the environment, the presidential race, it doesn't matter. Create a business that's going to continue to make you money day in and day out. So that's probably the biggest thing that I remember that I teach my students now as well too. So, Yeah. And Kyle, what did I what did I tell you was the backbone of creating an evergreen business? The backbone of creating an evergreen business. Now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, totally putting you on the spot. <laughs> Let me go back to, to my notes. Go back to my notes. It was raising money, right? Oh yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that's. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what we spent almost. A, a, I mean, a good majority of the time doing. That's the thing, yeah. I, I never really understood why we spend so much time on that, to be honest with you. You know, I'm like, dude, I want to learn how to rehab, and I want to learn how to do this, and I want to learn how about that. And we, we talk so much about raising money and raising money and raising money, and that's predominantly all I do now. You know, my rehabs are on autopilot. I go and see them every two weeks, you know, if that. But raising money is 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 the, the fabric of my daily life now. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. And that's... That I think has really changed 
everything for me, everything for you, and for those of our members and for real estate investors that really want an evergreen business that constantly spits out money that either produces you know big flip profits or cash flowing rentals or like you said you own this eight sweeter uh, assisted living facility that's kicking out eight to ten thousand dollars a month in positive cash flow you know after it's all leased up and all that and I just you know bought a a million dollar commercial building and we're leasing that up and you know you take advantage of those opportunities by having access to money and so that was the one thing that I started to study before my surgery and after my surgery I just that's really all I cared about because I knew if I was going to have an evergreen business and I was going to be able to, be able to teach other investors to have a business that could constantly make money no matter what was going on in the stock market the political market the international markets the you know the Fed monetary policy no matter what was going on if I had access to private funding where I could dictate the terms of the interest rates and how much money we got and whether I made payments or deferred all the payments what the interest rate was if I gave people uh, you know part of the profits part of the equity or not I knew that I could then control my own destiny and that was the primary message that I told you at the same time was yeah. get the money first and you could literally write your own ticket for whatever you want. Right. And so that's evolved now to today where you know I've raised more money than I need and you've raised more money than you need. And we now are, you know, I've created this whole freeland lending and private equity, and you're ramping up your own freeland fund because you have all the money that you need for all your rehabs. You have extra money. And now you're going to be getting paid a management fee. And that all started back in 2011. Yeah. Um, and so if there was one piece of advice that I would give to new investors, which would be to take the same advice that Kyle took, you know, swallow the same pill, drink the same Kool-Aid that Kyle drank in 2011, 2012, which is get the funding first and it will allow you to write your own ticket. It will literally allow you to write your own future, your own financial future and have the flexibility. If you want to use that funding for a, a private equity fund, you can do it. You want to use that those relationships and those investors to fund rehabs, you can do it. You want to have those investors fund a, a, a self-storage building or multifamily or you know uh, assisted living. Is once you have those relationships with those investors and you can present them these investment opportunities and they can be the bank and you can get access to their funding it opens up every door, every opportunity to just write your own ticket. That would be if there was one thing I could pull away from this interview and really drive home for all the listeners, which is exactly what I told Kyle four or five years ago, is get the funding first and you'll have an evergreen business model. Um, that would be it because shit just comes up now. Deals come up, opportunities come up. You know, I'm, my attorney sent me an email this morning saying, hey, I got four or five investment opportunities I think you should look at. Why? Because he knows I can close. Yeah. He knows I can fund them. You know, Kyle, this 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 uh, assisted living facility that you got, right? The guy, he had everything buttoned up. He had all the research. Why don't you just tell that story? But he didn't have the funding, and that's how you got involved. Yeah, I was... Um, my student, one of the students that I have locally here, brought me this guy back in... 
would have been September of last year, and, and he said, hey, I want you to come out and, and, and look at this property that this guy has. And I said, all right, what is he? He's like, ah, it's, it's like some some 2,400-square-foot uh, house and an office attached, and he wants to put old folks in it. I was like, well, I, don't, I don't do anything with old folks, and that sounds miserable, but all right, that's fine. Let's go. And um, I met my business partner out there, Brandon, at the time. Well, I didn't know him at the time, but Brandon was his name. And Brandon had done a ton of research on, on assisted living and, and smaller assisted living. I'm not talking, you know, 100-unit people. I'm talking 100-unit uh, building. I'm talking, you know, bedrooms that we have four bedrooms or five bedrooms or six bedrooms, you know, ranches, things like that, where it's very hot in places like Florida and California and down south, but not really known in Cleveland or Chicago or anywhere in, in the United States. And I always say that this that business model only works where there's old people, which is pretty much everywhere. So... Um, Brandon had done a ton of research, had, had really figured out what we needed to do and that this building was literally a 2,400 square foot house with a 2,400 square foot office this guy ran a financial planning um, business out of. So very odd shaped um, for a house, I mean you couldn't really rent it out, which is very weird, but for what we wanted to do with it was going to be ideal with a little bit of work obviously. Um, and this guy, had he had the money, he would have never involved us whatsoever, but that's how business partnerships are created that my students knew that I had the money or could bring the money to the deal. Um, we actually paid them a $2,000 referral fee just for referring us to Brandon. And then, um, you know, we put the deal together and now, yeah, like you said, Josh, we're, we're $225,000 of construction later and about a year, year and a few months, we're, we're going to net about eight grand a month in positive cash flow. So because we had the money, the deal was brought to us. Yeah, exactly. Because you had the money and the guy knew you could close, that's fantastic. And so, um, that that's that's a big big part of it, big message. So you know, as as all of our listeners think about Kyle's journey, I think Kyle, the ultimately your let's call it your confidence level in real estate. My guess is that it really took off once you knew that you could get the funding. Right. Because before that, it was like you were sort of a transaction engineer, you're very transactional, you're doing a deal here and a deal there just to make money, and always kind of wondering, like, where's the next meal going to come from? Where's the next paycheck going to come from? What's the next flip I'm going to do? Then once you had access to funding and you knew that you had all your private lenders lined up and you knew about the SEC rules and regulations and disclosures, the proper way to do it, you know what, just talk to that for a minute because that's ultimately for me when I think I finally hit my real estate sort of epiphany is when I knew exactly how to get all the money and then I had all the money, I'm like, dude, I feel free now. I feel totally confident in what I'm doing and where I'm going. Yeah, I think it started with me. I remember this clear as day. I, I got a call. This was probably, I don't know, four years ago. Um, I got a call from a real estate agent that I had done a couple deals with, but like you had said, I was just kind of doing, maybe even three years ago, um, just doing a deal here, deal there. You know, I was I was pretty consistent on my deals, but I was still hunting them down, still trying to look for money, still trying to put them together, being that sort of transaction uh, engineer, just trying to from deal to deal to deal. And I got a call from a real estate agent, and she said, I have this great deal for you. Um, you can buy it and uh, you can flip it pretty quickly. It needs minimal work, if any at all. Um, I already have a buyer lined up for you. It's going to be perfect. I said, all right. And she said, I, I, I hear you've got access to capital. I said, yeah, absolutely. But at the time, I again, I did not really have access to a whole lot of capital. I said, how much do I need? And she said, you're going to need about $880,000 and I need them by the end of the week. 
She said, can you do that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Hung up the phone. I said, oh, shit, I must be kidding myself. Literally, I had to come up with $880,000 in a week in order to fund this deal. Um, we were going to buy it for eight eighty and sell it for like it was like a million one five. It was going to be a phenomenal deal, uh, but I hung up the phone and just started banging the phones to say, "Who can I call?" Yes, I certainly probably did not follow every SEC guideline and law at, at the time because I certainly didn't know them. But the point is, is that when I kind of had the heat turned up to my to my boots, all of a sudden I was able to produce eight hundred eighty thousand dollars in a week, and I was able to raise that money. And that was sort of the light bulb to me that's saying, holy crap, if I can do that in a week, give myself a month to raise money, and I should be able to raise a decent amount. Now, that deal did not close, which is fine. Um, there were some things that went on and, and whatnot. It's not like I lost out. But it, it did give me that sort of epiphany that, man, this raising money thing is vital to getting deals. She thought I had the money. She brought the deal to me first and foremost, um, and I was able to raise that money. And once you're sort of once you relieve yourself of trying to, you know, hunt down that money for a deal, or oh, I've got this phenomenal deal. I always read this in the forum as well too. I've got this phenomenal deal. How do I get funding for it? How do I get funding for it? You know, I'm at 65% LTV. I'm at 50% loan to value. Um, this property needs no work. Once I was able to line up that money, the money's never going to go away. It's always, always going to be there. You close a transaction with one investor, give them back their original principal plus interest. They will keep coming back to you and keep bringing you more and more money, and they'll bring their, their friends along too who have more money as well too. So that was really freeing to me just knowing that if you're able to perform, do what you say you're going to do, make doing business with you easy to do. That's sort of my, my mantra. That's sort of what I live by when I, when I work with my investors. They're always going to keep just coming to you, coming to you and saying, hey, I've got more money. Or I've got guys who email me all the time and say, hey, when's the next deal? When's the next deal? Not the other way around. I don't have to email them. Um, and that's that's the beauty about it. Right now, I'm I'm trying to fund a deal. I just literally got under contract yesterday that I have to buy for three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and I'm going to put only fifteen thousand into it, sell for a little over four. Um, I've got two guys that I'm talking to who want to fund basically the the in, entire transaction, and I'm basically whoever speaks first and says there go is going to be the one who wins. So. Um, I guess that's sort of the feeling you get when when knowing that. Because yeah. of all your hard work of getting that money raised, it's always going to be there for you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have the preconceived idea that they have to do deals first before they get funding, and that's, I guess, partially true. You know, but but some people will want to see the proof is in the pudding, right? They want to see like, do you have deals under contract? Have you closed deals before? Do you have a track record? That's why I created Freeland Lending and Freeland Ventures is to provide our new investors or our intermediate investors the access to no money down funding so they could get access to funding, close some deals using our money. Now, our money is definitely not the cheapest. Like, I'm, I'm no dummy. I know that. It's, it's fairly expensive money, but it is funding. The most expensive money is the money is the funding that you don't get because right. that's the deal that you don't do. You get zero. Yeah, you get zero. So... With our funding, you know, you have access to get the funding, 100% um, of the purchase price, the rehab goes into a rehab escrow account, and you have access to that money to flip that property. Uh, we did it for those new and intermediate investors who need access to funding, and they need case studies, and they need a track record, and then they can go present those to their potential private lenders, and then they can they can cut me out of the deal. They can right. not Greenland anymore, and they can recruit and raise their own private money, and they don't have to use our funding. I mean... 
I would take any money. The first investor that I had, I paid 18% interest to. Yeah. Because I just wanted funding of any kind. I didn't care how expensive it was. And you know what's funny, Josh, is like as I read questions on the forum all the time. Um, people don't know I answer all the questions on, on the 40K Flips forum and the Freedom Funding forum along with the, our other coach, Chris. But um, people say all the time, like, oh, I've got this business partner. He's bringing money to the table, and I'm going to do the deal. I'm going to rehab it and whatnot. But he wants 50% of the deal, or he wants 60% of the deal. And my question is always come back to them, and? So what? If they want 50% of the deal, go ahead and do the deal. Do, do your first deal that way. Make a little bit of money. You guys make 40, you take home 20. So what? 20 grand is better than making no money at all. And it's so vital to get those first two deals, three deals under your belt. So then you can go to an investor or a private lender and say, yeah, I've done three of these deals. You know, people are so afraid to partner with people that they just think, oh, the guy's going to take 50% of my, of my profit. That's the way to do it. I, I've done plenty of deals where I've given away 50% of my profit, and I, and I know you have as well, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would do anything I had to do to get the funding. I don't care if it's 50% or five points up front and 20% interest. I don't give a, sh I don't give a shit. Right. I, just want get, I want to get the funding and get that deal done because it's going to lead to more credibility, more deals closed, and more money. So, uh, well, Kyle, thanks a lot for jumping on the line, man. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you later today or tomorrow, anyhow, about something else. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, come back. Hear more from me and Kyle. Look forward to seeing you guys in Vegas. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a bunch. You were just listening to Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Investor Radio. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you would like Josh to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success stories in real estate, and maybe we'll talk about it in the next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter, and definitely check out all of our awesome free training videos at youtube.com slash SRE video. Finally, download your free report, 55 Ways to Find Killer Real Estate Investments at 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast right now so that you can get better at finding properties and funding properties and stay up to date on what's happening right now in the real estate industry. That's 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.